0: Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura.
1: of Cleveland Browns Daily. I'm Jason Gibbs. Nathan's the girl will join here in just a few minutes. 8th grade graduation. I had high school graduation last night. He has 8th grade graduation today. Bishop is living his best life down in Columbus on assignment at the Memorial. Rough life. Wish we could all be there. But he is holding down the fort in Columbus and Zaguro will join us here in just a few minutes. Coming up on the show today, we are locked and loaded. You will hear from defensive coordinator Joe Woods on all the new additions on his side of the football, including the return of Jadavian Clowney. Uh, I'm sure we'll also hear from him on the uh, the defense's trip to South Beach, which is officially underway uh, as their side of team bonding goes down this weekend in Miami. I wonder if the special teams unit needs to have a bonding session. I feel like they should. They sh- Maybe a golf trip, something along those lines. I-, I feel like the special teams unit should have some kind of bonding if the offense and defense get to have this kind of bonding experience. Speaking of special teams, Mike Preefer, our special teams coordinator. He's got a lot of new toys on his side of the football and in his room and we will talk to him about that in a CBD exclusive. That comes your way at 2 o'clock. You'll also hear from Browns Offensive Coordinator Alex Van Pelt at 2.15 today. 2.30, a little higher or lower. And, yes, we are taking your phone calls. It might be during Zagura's opening segment, Madison. Got to be ready. Madison Hayes spinning the dials and doing a fantastic job for us. We're going to take phone calls. 2 850 is the phone number we'll try to get to uh, as many as we can here today uh, and Nathan will be taking those uh, and if you want to tweet at us tweet at us at Brown's underscore daily using the hashtag ask CBD uh, Bobby meshling our, our, our favorite uh, uh, our favorite CBD mailbagger uh, I, I didn't hear from him yesterday or so I thought he just sent his questions like six hours before the show. So we have some questions from him. We'll get to his. And if you have questions as well, at Browns underscore daily, using the hashtag AskCBD. Football-wise, it's a quiet day here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. Players are off. Matter of fact, I don't see a lot of the coaches here today uh, as the guys rest up for what will be the final two weeks of the off-season program starting next week. OTAs though there will be four now the last couple weeks it's been three days of OTAs Tuesday Wednesday Thursday next week Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday OTAs and then a three-day weekend Monday report date for everybody and then mandatory mini camp Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and then a break for summer vacation six weeks and then we're at it for real Training Camp 2022 here from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. In addition, Monday, right after their OTA, the players and the team will head over to Westwood Country Club in Rocky River. That's where we will broadcast live from. It will be the Browns Foundation 22nd Annual Golf Tournament. Kevin Stefanski will be there. Uh, We will be set up on a tee, potentially, weather permitting. is all freaked out about the weather, but you can't worry about the weather yet. You worry about the weather on like Sunday, we'll figure it out from there. That's where I'm at. I've got time. We've got time. It'll be a nice day. We'll play some golf. And we will be live, hopefully, on one of the tees and talking to a number of the guys as they come on through during the show on Monday. Uh, Let's see. We'll talk a little NBA Finals today as well. Game one to the Boston Celtics. I don't like either team, so frankly, I'm not rooting for either team. Uh, from the Memorial down in Columbus, Rory McElroy making a little bit of a run here today. He's within two shots. Denny McCarthy's a leader at 7-under. No idea who that is. Uh, Cameron Smith is set to tee off, uh, just teed off, actually. He's at 5-under. In terms of some of the other names, uh, Zalatoris is 4-under. Shane Lowry, 3-under. Adam Scott's 3-under. Um, John Rahm, 2-under. Uh, For you golf fantasy golf players, uh, for whatever reason, uh, we have a fantasy golf league in our golf league. So, John Rahm was a popular pick for the weekend. He is at 2-under. Jordan Spieth is 2-under. Luke Donald, 2-under. And Ricky Fowler is at 2-under from the Memorial down in Columbus Day two of the Memorial and uh, a nice weekend for the Memorial down there. Nice weekend all along the North Coast. So looking forward to that as well. Like I said, we will we'll recap everything that happened in sports in the last 24 hours. Not a whole lot of NFL news. We do have a legend in the broadcast industry that is out as a, uh, as a radio play-by-play voice. No, not anything with the Browns. Not with Jim Donovan. Jim Donovan is not going anywhere. But there is a big, legendary icon broadcaster that will not be broadcasting his team's games coming up this fall. We will talk about that. Uh, As I mentioned, Mike Prefer will join us at 2 o'clock. Alex Van Pelt, you'll hear from at 2.15, higher or lower. Your phone calls in the 1 o'clock hour, 216-578-0850. Coming up after the break. You will hear from defensive coordinator Joe Woods from earlier this week with the media. Some really interesting things, especially at that cornerback position. Uh, That could be one of the biggest positions to watch here as we get ready for training camp and the 2022 season. We are underway on a Friday. It's Gibbs, Madison Hayes spinning the dials. Zagura will join here in just a few minutes. This is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850-
0: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: Tickets for all Cleveland Browns home games on sale now. Judge and Company taking care of you on the other side. It's Friday. It's a work day. They are working hard for you. For more information, visit ClevelandBrowns.com and get those uh, single game tickets now. Or get on the waitlist for season tickets. It's not a long. It's not as long as you might think. Chances of moving up pretty quick. My cousin moved up very quickly. So uh, take, they'll they'll take good care of you in preparation for the 2022 season. All right. As I mentioned, coming up at the bottom of the hour, girl will join us. Two o'clock, an exclusive CBD interview with Special Teams Coordinator Mike Prefer Right now. Our defensive coordinator, Joe Woods, on the state of his defense as the offseason starts to wind down here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. Have a
2: listen.
3: Is Perry Winfrey as excited being around you as when
4: he talks to us?
2: Yes. He is a very passionate player. Um, He plays very hard Um, with his size and his athletic ability, um, his attitude, his approach to the game. He's exactly what we were looking for. Uh, you know, he still has to grow up a little bit and he has to learn our system, but, uh, we're very pleased with getting him in the draft.
3: What does he do? What does he really bring to your defense other than that passion?
2: He has extreme length, uh, 35 and 35 inch plus arms, um, 300 pounds. He gets off the ball. He's very explosive and we want to have more of an attacking front. We want guys that get off the ball, dent the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what he did in college
5: of length. Martin Emerson is a guy that has that length, too, and you're a DB guy. What does what that, what does that length do for a corner?
2: Yeah, no, he, he is a big guy. Um, when we got here for the rookie minicamp, I was just looking over and I was looking at linebackers and safeties and looking at him, it was like, man, this guy's big. Um, but he's another guy, he's about 6'2", 33-inch arms. And the type of technique that we ask our guys to play, um, he's tailor-made for that, just in terms of the press techniques, being able to match up against bigger receivers, um, again, he's learning the techniques that we use, learning our system. So there's going to be a little growth period for him, but we're very excited to have him. What does it
3: mean to you to have Jadavian Clowney back, uh, not only just, you know, to you, but to all the young guys and everybody here?
2: Uh, it means a lot. You know, I don't know if you call it Batman and Robin or Batman and Batman, um, but just to have that counterpart part opposite of Jadavian – or, excuse me, opposite of Miles. Um, you know, when you go against offenses – Um, They're going to have to respect both defensive ends. So all the attention doesn't go to Miles. Um, Coming back in the second season, um, I know Jadavion going to have a full understanding of our defense, what we're going to ask him to do. Uh, We also like to move those guys around. So I know he's very comfortable. I saw him briefly when he came back, you know, signed his contract. But we're all excited to have him back in the building
4: quiet quite confidence in the organization that it was going to happen. Were you as
2: confident that all along he'd be back? I don't know if I would say that. You know, I was a little bit nervous. But it's just a part of um, free agency. We felt like he had a good experience here. Um, we've tried to get him, you know, the previous two years. I think there's a comfort level with Coach Kiffin as a defensive line coach, comfort level with Coach Stefanski as a head coach and myself as a coordinator. So throughout the process, I felt like if things were even, that he would come back. So thankfully it worked out in our favor. Yeah,
3: we talked Greg, Greg Newsom last week about sliding inside. You seem very willing and excited. like how important is that when you're asking a guy to kind of change positions and what really went into that decision?
2: It's very important. He did it for us towards the end of last season. He has the size, um, the intelligence in terms of diagnosing plays, running past plays to do that. All of the corners we bring in, we try to cross train them to see if they're capable of doing those things, and he proved that he could. So it's a natural move for us to have him play inside, and we'll get into some, you know, packages where maybe we're playing with two nickels. So we put as much speed on the field, but it's 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 good having them to have the ability to do that for us. The other
3: outside corners—that Greer's job right now.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I just feel like we have three or four good corners that can go play for us right now. Um, Greg can play inside, so that moves Greedy outside. So he is really the third outside corner. Um, but when he stepped in last year, he proved that he could play at a high level as well.
3: so all the attention on the defensive lines, Miles and Jadavian. The, the interior guys, though, it's, it feels like you don't have a lot of known quantities there. It's not to say you don't have talent there, but you don't have a lot of guys with proven track records. They're just... How do you feel about those young guys and, and their development and your confidence of, you know, depending on them this season to, to get it done inside?
2: That's part of the process. I feel like right now as a defense, we're kind of in that stage where we're developing young talent. Jordan Elliott played for us. You know, He's a 300 pounder. He's moving around really well. I think the lights are starting to come on for him. Signing Taven Bryant, um, I remember evaluating him when I was at Denver, and I know he was like our number one defensive lineman coming out. He's the same type of guy, as I mentioned earlier, with Perry on. He's a guy that attacks the line of scrimmage. He's athletic for his size. So with that combination, and then you have uh, Tommy Togiai, um, you have Sheldon Day, uh, spoke about Perry on earlier. But I think between those five guys, I feel like we'll have a good rotation inside.
5: Okay, like not wanting to throw too much at him sometimes in his rookie year, but now that he's entering year two, just what kind of jump you think he might be able to make?
2: I definitely feel more confident this year. You want guys to go out on the field and execute. I mean, I have a playbook that's, you know, this thick in terms of defenses, but if you run so much defense, that guys don't execute. It's not worth doing. So last year we were at that point with JOK, but we also had um tack mckinley new uh clowny malik mcdowell we had a bunch of new guys so i didn't want to put a whole lo- a bunch on those guys so we gradually increased the defense as we went through the season um at this point i feel like we can do more so i've installed more defense this offseason i told the guys that we're going to put more on their plate we'll see what they can handle once we get through mandatory mini camp and there'll be a few additional things that if they can handle it will i'll add during training camp very, uh, you're fine
4: with the five guys that have defensive tackle right now, so uh, a lot of talk about Sue being available. Is
2: that- yeah. I read that once in an article when I was at home late at night. So I called Kiff, did you read this? Um, no, you, you never know. Uh, I think with, with A.B., I think he and his whole staff do a great job in terms of adding players to, to our defense. So, Along the lines, based on the development of the guys that we have, if they feel like adding him and, and uh, he'd be a good fit, you know, we'd all be for it.
3: Miles could even get better. What, what area do you think he
2: could get better at? Miles is, <laughs> Miles is, is uh, very talented. Um, for him, I think it's more about consistency. You know, looking back at some of the plays last year that he left out there, um, so for me, that's what I talk to Miles about is just really uh, perfecting the defense, not missing any opportunities, you know, playing um, as hard as you can possibly play on every snap uh, because when Miles does that, he's unblockable in my opinion. It
4: sounds like Baltimore is going to use a lot more three safety looks like you started doing last year. Yeah. Can you still do that without having that fourth? Uh, who's the guy who left, MJ Stewart? I mean, can you still employ that?
2: Yes. Right now, our three safeties, uh, John Johnson, Grant Delpit, and Ronnie Harrison. So we have the ability to get those three guys on the field at the same time, like we did last year. And we're still developing the young guys, you know, Richard LeCount back there. But we have the ability to uh, create those matchups based on our game plan.
4: The way it worked last year?
2: Yes. Yes. There were some things, because I tried to mirror – our packages—what we did in nickel, what we did in dime—but going back and looking at ourselves, Scout, I'll probably um, do certain things in dime that I won't do in nickel, um, just based on the time spent that we have to teach those guys.
3: Interesting guys in terms of size and skill set—whether it's JOK or Emerson or Delpit or Ronnie—kind of unique size. How much? How much does that help you guys, or what can you? How can you use that to your advantage?
2: It definitely helps us. I think the NFL is about creating matchups. And I feel like, for me, defensively, I always feel like I want to create the matchups. I want to dictate how the game's going to be played. So if there's a bigger tight end, you have Grant Delpit, you have uh, Ronnie Harrison. We also have big corners if we want to match up. You know, So if we want to put Greg Newsom down there, you know, or Emerson comes along. So we can put different people on the field in different positions based on the matchups that we want to create.
4: With Jacob in the middle, is that something we could see going forward?
2: Yes, there's flexibility at that position. I know they can, like Anthony and Jacob can play Mike. They can also play the will linebacker position. So we can do some things there as well.
4: Um,
3: Greedy Williams kind of show you last season when he was coming back from the shoulder and was in and out, kept dealing with it. And then the second part of the question is with drafting Martin, you know, kind of
2: where, is, where does that leave Greedy? Yeah, Greedy, you know, last year, he fought through that injury and I thought he showed toughness and playmaking ability. Um, we had some premium matchups against some really good receivers and he made some plays down the field and I saw him improve, you know, throughout his time in the offseason, training camp, seeing him get better, but he proved that he can go out and make plays against elite receivers. And then, you know, with Martin Emerson, it's just a matter of how fast he develops. You know, with young guys, it depends. You know, you get them out there in the bright lights and it's real, you know, how they react. So it will be a, a growth process for him, and we'll just take it, you know, week by week to see where he's at.
3: Do you still see room for, I mean, Greedy to have a role, though, with Martin coming forward?
2: Yeah, he definitely is going to have a role. You know, you have a bunch of good players. You, you find a way to get as many of them on the field as you can.
5: How does that help you develop the younger guys? Does that change the approach at
2: all? Great question. Absolutely. In terms of bringing back a veteran guy, they see a – the young guys see a veteran guy out there that they know, that they watch on TV and they've seen him play at a high level. For them, it's an opportunity to learn, like, the tricks of the trade. You know, what does Miles do? What does uh, Jadavian do? And I know those guys are big-eyed. But it definitely helps in the development um, of the young guys. And to me, it helps buy them time. You know, they don't have to go out there and feel like they have to play 40, 50 plays. We can slowly get those guys or integrate those guys um, throughout the season and give them as much as we feel like they can handle.
3: What what do you think it is about um, Miles and Clowney that has allowed them to complement each other so well? And then what do you think they can do to take it to another level, you know, a second year together?
2: I think when when you look across and you see another guy that was the first overall pick, i think that's like unsaid competition you know i think for those guys it helps them compete you know who's going to get the most sacks who's going to make the most tfl's so i think it's just kind of an unsaid thing that happens between those those two guys in, ter- in terms of the competition and again as i said earlier it, it helps me defensively because of um you know the offense can't key on one guy in there what
5: have you seen from chase so far since since he got here, especially as a one-on-one pass rusher?
2: Uh, It's hard. We're not really going, you know, all out in terms of our team periods, but he's a very smart guy, and we feel like he's a versatile player. We may be able to play him, you know, as a defensive end. We get to our sub packages. We may be able to move him around as like our joker. So it's just, you know, time will tell once we get more into it, but I I really feel like he's a versatile player that's going to play well for us.
5: So much about his his traits and the possibilities with developing him, I guess, just, just how exciting that is, that is for you and, and what he's shown so
2: far. Yeah, just the size and athletic ability. You know, he's a big defensive end. I think he's about 275 pounds right now, but you can see the growth potential in his body. Like, you can still see he can develop his lower body, his upper body. You know, I think you guys will see him in two years and he might be 295 pounds and, you know, look like a monster. Um, but we're excited about him. I think for him it's maybe a little eye-opening. It's kind of like this isn't UAB, you know, exactly as the NFL. So he has some some uh, things he has to work on, but the potential is definitely there.
1: That's defensive coordinator Joe Woods at the podium from earlier this week. The state of his defense with just seven practices left in the, quote, off-season. For next week, Monday through Thursday, OTAs, the final OTAs of the offseason, and then the weekend off, and then we come back, and it's mandatory minicamp, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then that's it until training camp 2022. Interesting takeaways. Defensive tackle, a position that a lot of us are going to be watching here to see who's going to step up and take those two spots. Uh, On the front line, Jordan Elliott, a guy that this uh, group and this organization drafted just a couple years ago, he said he feels like the lights are starting to come on for the young man. That's a positive sign because he has flashed, he's made some plays. They're going to need him big time here in 2022. So that position is a group that's worth watching as we get into training camp. Obviously, the cornerbacks, I mentioned it before the break, Uh, Greedy Williams and Nathan has talked about it a lot this week on Cleveland Browns Daily. He doesn't have the sling on anymore. He's playing freely. He has played very well in uh, the OTA practices so far. He's looked good. He continues to play well and show signs. Uh, And the question becomes, who's going to be that slot corner? Uh, It's definitely something to watch here as we get closer to training camp. And then as we get into training camp, who's going to be playing on the outside? who's going to be playing on the inside. I thought it was interesting that Joe had this to say. Different people can play different positions. He mentioned a corner sliding down to cover a tight end. Uh, He mentioned Chase Winovich and his versatility and being able to move him around a little bit. Uh, So I I feel like there, there could be a lot there for the defensive linemen, the corners, the linebackers. They could all play different positions. And that is a very big positive uh, for this football team as we get ready for the season. Uh, also, the other thing, asking Kiff if he had heard anything about Indomitian Sioux after reading the, the article that the Browns uh, might be a good destination for him. He was pretty surprised by it. Goes back to what Nathan said earlier this week. Eh, never say never, but I don't think it's looking particularly like it's going to happen. So... Uh, That being said, uh, I can hear Zagura, but it's okay. We will take a break. When we come back, we're a well-oiled machine. Don't worry, folks. When we come back, Nathan Zagura joins us for the final 90 minutes, an exclusive CBD interview with Mike Prefer coming your way at 2 o'clock. Alex Van Pelt at 2.15. Higher or lower, your phone calls. We might even do them next, 216 578 0850 This is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland
0: Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome
6: back into Cleveland Browns Daily. Nathan Zagura now back with you alongside Gibbe on this glorious Friday and quite a beautiful Friday it is here in our great area of the country here in Cleveland. And Gibbe, today, real quick, just wanted to start off a little shout-out to the Hawkin class of 2026. Uh, my daughter graduated uh, the, from eighth grade. They're moving up was today, which is why I was a little bit late. Uh, and it was awesome. And it was just cool to see a, a great group of kids. And, and it's an exciting thing. And I also have to now wrestle with the fact that I've got a, a high schooler in my uh, in the fam, which is I'm a little bit nervous about, not
1: going to lie, a little you nervous. You should be. You, yeah. you should be very nervous. I, uh, I, well, I you, am. Uh, yeah. And, and likewise, uh, last night was an awesome – It was the weather could not have been better. We were outside. Congratulations to the Olmstead Falls class of 2022. Just a fantastic group of kids who have accomplished a ton based on the accolades that were being thrown out. Uh, and uh, shout-out to my kid as well, Adriana, uh, on her graduation and – on to college and uh like you buckle up who knows where this is going buckle up
6: is right yeah it's a uh Always an exciting time of year, and now spring—you know—summer break for a lot of these kids. But a transition period, right? For especially for both of our families, going from high school to college and, and eighth grade to high school, um, it's going to be—it's going to be something. There's there's no doubt about that. So we are uh, obviously back here, and and you opened up. Who was did you go? Joe Woods there to open things up? Our defensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, we uh, we just heard from Joe Woods, and obviously some of the the key points that, that I was mentioning at the at the end of his presser was you know the uh, the ability for anybody on this defense to almost play anywhere on the field is going to be interesting to watch he specifically mentioned corners being able to cover tight ends because he's got the big bodies now to do so oh uh, where did, did safety I believe, being able I to believe, match
6: up i believe we had that yesterday i mentioned a little uh, a little nugget about uh, mj emerson yesterday for those who are paying paying attention to the
1: scores Yes, I, I, and I referenced uh, numerous things that you have said earlier in the week that uh, <laughs> Joe Woods then confirmed uh, in his meeting with the media. Uh, I, it was interesting. He mentioned Jordan Elliott, and the big thing there, the light's starting to come on. He said that specifically. That's a good thing.
6: So I spent some time with uh, Browns defensive line coach Chris Kiffin yesterday, uh, part of our Browns breakdown series, and you're going to see those where uh, in this case, Coach Kiffin was the busiest of all the coaches because I'm sitting down with the position coach of everybody that we drafted to watch their college tape, and then we're applicable to watch some of their tape here in the OTA. It's obviously hard with the line guys because all they're really doing right now are the drills and the team period. There are no pads. They're not really rushing or trying to shoot the gaps uh, against the run, and so he had three guys. Remember, Alex Wright, Perrion Winfrey, and Isaiah Thomas. And so I got to spend quite a bit of time with Coach Kiffin yesterday, and he was very generous with his time. And I think you're really going to enjoy the breakdowns of, of Alex Wright and Perrion and, and Isaiah. But we did talk a little bit about the defensive tackle room. Uh, he, very high on Taven Bryan, loves Taven Bryan, so he's a perfect fit for, for what we do here. And then he said for Jordan, he said Jordan Elliott has made a massive leap And he is thrilled to see what it looks like when the pads come on. And so, you know, that's an area right now of our defense. If you say there was one big question mark on our defense, it's the defensive tackle room. And that's it. You know, the defensive end room, you've got your top level is elite with Miles and Clowning. Might be the best pair of ends in the league or certainly in the conversation. Uh, Your backups, you know, you bring Chase Winovich in. You got Alex Wright, who you drafted in the third round. Steven Weatherly has been a very productive veteran in the league for a long time. And I can tell you, Chris Kiffin is a big fan of what he's been seeing so far from Stephen Weatherly. Um, and then not beyond that, you've got Isaac Rochelle. And then we drafted, you know, we drafted Isaiah Thomas. So it's going to be a very competitive room in there. Weatherly's a guy that gives you about three sacks a season every year. Uh, kind of in that third defensive end role. Obviously, Kevin Stefanski would be familiar with him. They were in Minnesota together uh, in 2018 and 2019. And so uh, there's some familiarity with this staff with Stephen Weatherly, but that's a guy that's just a solid veteran who has done it uh, for quite some time. And so that room you feel good about. The defensive tackle room. A lot of investment in the talent that's in it. Taven Bryan was a former first round pick, and now, uh, you know, he was a guy that was asked in Jacksonville to do a lot of reading and reacting. In our defensive scheme, that defensive tackle typically is a one gap penetrator, and I think they think that's going to fit his skill set much better than what he was asked to do in Jacksonville, and so they're happy about that. Um, then you are going to, you've got Jordan Elliott who's taken a step. Perion, he's excited about Perion Winfrey, and then Tommy Tokiai. So, Those four guys, you're really looking for, you know, a couple of guys to emerge and to see who can, you know, participate as the pass rusher in the cheetah package, who can be there when we need to, you know, really try to beef up and stop the run. But for the most part, just get – if we can get – Good, competent play out of that defensive tackle. Our defense is going to be pretty set because the back end is loaded. The linebacker room, I think, especially with Jacob Phillips currently healthy, uh, your four top four in your linebacker room are excellent. And I'm talking about you know JOK, Anthony Walker, Jacob Phillips, and Sione Taki. So this defense right now, that's the one question mark. But like I said, I got to spend that time with Chris Kiffin yesterday. And Jordan Elliott, and he got a shout-out from the defensive coordinator as well, as you pointed out. He's a guy that, you know, you drafted in the third round out of Missouri a couple of years ago. Obviously, career highs and everything last year, played a career high in snaps. But now he has an opportunity to really become a stud for this football team. And and, and if he can step up, if, you know, Perrion can step up. Taven Bryan, again, I'll, I'll reiterate, former first-round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars out of Florida. This defense, they feel like, really suits him much better than what he was in so that was one of the reasons why they identified him early on in free agency and they brought him in so there there are a lot of high hopes actually for that defensive tackle room that maybe externally people are not as high on right now
1: well it's a big off season for jordan elliott and for jacob phillips you mentioned they both came in in the same draft class with some high expectations and phillips phillips has battled the injury bug and you know Now it's a it's a big season for him from from an NFL future standpoint, from a contract standpoint and really starting to establish yourself as a player in the National Football League. Sure. They think he can be a very versatile part of this defense.
6: Yeah. and, And you talk about the length and the speed and what we're seeing, you know, with Jacob Phillips, who you brought up there is a guy that every time he's been given an opportunity, or any every time that, I should say that, let me rephrase it, every time he has been healthy enough to get an opportunity, he is produced, and it's typically come at the end of the season. Now, remember, this is a guy who was limited to nine games in his rookie season to limited to only four games last year due to that elbow injury that was suffered. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in the joint practices against the Giants. And yep. so you go in and you go into his, his game logs for his career, and you take a look and you say, okay, when did he actually play? And when was it when would he play that was important? You go in 2020. Week the, the last game of the season. He plays and starts against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He gets 10 tackles, a tackle for a loss, a quarterback hit playing Mike linebacker at the end of his rookie season. Remember, that was a win and get into the playoff game. And he started and played very well there. And then you go back to last year and you say, okay, when did he get a chance to start? And it wasn't until the end of the year, but he starts against Cincinnati. Nine tackles in that game, two tackles for loss, a quarterback hit once again. Uh, he even had two passes passes defensed. And so he's a guy that with his size, with his length at 6'4", 233 in the middle of your defense and the speed that he has, along with the speed that you could have you know, with JOK there, you can really cover. And all of a sudden you have a lot of guys that can move around like safeties in Phillips, Owusu-Koromoa, M.J. Emerson, who's a corner, but they can play that dimebacker role. John Johnson, Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, and so you can have a defense where you have just a lot of athletes on the field. That while it isn't, you know, positionless per se. Oh,
1: Zagura, you're hiccuping. Your internet. I'm not hiccuping. Oh, I think I you are. My own ear. Oh yeah. That's definitely you. How can you be blamed? Uh oh. All right. <laughs> I I know it's internet I know it's Zagura's internet because Yeah, we'll pot we'll pot Z down, Matt. <laughs> All right. Let let's do this. Let's get a quick break in to get Zagura back on track. We'll come back with some tweets. You can tweet at the show, at Browns underscore Daily, using the hashtag AskCBD. We may or may not take phone calls. Let's see what happens. 216-578-0850. We'll talk a little bit more about the defense and get into a few other things as well. Coming up next on Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
6: All right. Welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily. Nathan Zagura not sounding like a robot, at least I hope not anymore. Along I don't with- know. Did you Give pay back? the
1: bill this month? What's going on? Of
6: course I paid the bill. What are you talking about? I'm on this. I've got you on the Zoom. we got a, lot, a whole lot going on right now.
1: Goodbye. All right. It's a football fight. I don't know what happened, but it was definitely on your end. Okay.
6: Things happen. Technical difficulties happen. I don't know why it's got to be continually put on, like blasted, blaming on your boy. I mean, sometimes that things happen; they're out of my control. I'm not out there like running in a hamster wheel to generate the internet for my house. Do you know what I mean? I like,
1: mean, maybe you should be. I I don't know what goes on on the east side over there. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah. you just not We have no internet teams? over here. We have no internet.
6: We have no internet, but, but we I'm don't. I'm happy that you're back. Yeah. You know what? We don't have internet or stacking our fourth grade fourth grade lacrosse teams to try to get uh, nit banners.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. I bet you don't. All I, I know is winning. <laughs> That's right. All you do know is winning. <laughs> uh, let, let's do some tweets. We've, we've had some tweets come in here uh, on the Twitter mailbag sure. at Browns underscore daily using the hashtag AskCBD. By the way, Meshling did tweet at us yesterday, but he did it like six hours before the show, so I never saw them.
6: He was a. I, don't you love that kind of preparedness? He was ready. He wanted to just go ahead and get it done, get it out Bobby, there for just you to get in the Give me a mix. little heads
1: up because it gets lost. We get a lot of mentions. We get a lot of people tweeting at us. It gets lost. I don't want to shortchange you, man. Meckling. Uh, yeah, Madison. Hit the. Little, we do a little travel music here. We're, we're having a little fun. We're living our best life.
6: That's right, Gibby. Let's
1: go. I mean, that's. I, we got to introduce Madison maybe to the Friday song. Oh man,
6: what a what an absolute! I mean, we're into
1: June officially. I what feel an absolute like it's,
6: gem! It's summertime.
1: Yeah. Um, Mr. Music uh, at Mud Music. It seems like there is a lot more camaraderie this year. How much credit should we give to relaxed protocols? How much credit goes to the Browns' player development initiatives? Uh, uh. Also, the Browns listened to JJ three regarding getting some yoga in the facility. Good to see.
6: (laughs) Yeah, I think that the camaraderie, I think, look, when you can be around each other, That is very important. But I would also say the leaders on this football team, especially on the offense, Deshaun Watson, he has made it an absolute priority to try to lead this team and bring this team together. And and so that has not gone gone unnoticed. Every single person that I have talked to about this on the football team has noted what Deshaun has done in that regard. And I think that it has played a big role. They're able to be around each other on the field and off the field. And Deshaun and some of the others are taking advantage of that in order to build that camaraderie and chemistry and yes this is a team that clearly really really likes it likes each other and feels that they are together united in the pursuit of a common
1: goal i did notice we were not invited once again to uh to go to south beach this weekend
6: no hurtful but you know as i said we have it on good authority that on the next offensive trip that we will be included and 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 i think that's gonna be a wonderful time for everybody
1: I would like to be like, come on. I I also said this, the offenses had a little getaway. The defenses had a little getaway. I feel like special teams needs a little time away.
6: Yeah. What about a brief, uh, a brief vacation? I feel like you'd love it. You'd be great for it. And it's easy to do. I mean, it's a smaller group. Well, unless you start counting the guys on the coverage teams and the return teams, then it becomes all of a sudden a big group. And so the guys that play special teams would ultimately end up getting multiple trips.
1: Maybe you just go Maybe just go kickers and, and long snapper, Charlie Hewlett.
6: Charlie and Corey and Joe and uh, Cade, and that would be like yeah. one, a little four-man trip. Maybe Jakeem Grant throw him in there for, because he is definitely the return ace. I could, I could I, see that.
1: I, I'm fine with that. Jakeem
6: did get to go on the offensive one, though. We did see that.
1: That's all right. But, I mean, that's one of, one of his big things is going to be playing special teams for yeah. this football team. Yep. He's going to be used all over the place. It sounds like, but yeah, definitely
6: he's going to be our primary returner, and they're going to they're going to put some stuff in the playbook for him. There's no doubt because he's an electric guy with the ball in his hands. He's made big plays as he did last year uh, for the the Chicago Bears, and even before that, when he was with our uh, Chad O'Shea, who was the offensive coordinator down in Miami when Jakeem was with my, the Miami Dolphins. So you go back to his career, 2016, he had a 74-yard uh, punt return, a 71-yard punt return in 2018. He had an 88-yard punt return in 2020 and a 97-yard punt return in 2021, plus he's had two 100-yard kickoff returns, one in 18, one in 19. And then you go into his rushing and his receiving and he's made big plays, 65-yard catch in 2017, 52-yard catch in 2018. Uh, he had a 46-yard catch last year uh, with the Chicago Bears that went to the house. So he's a guy that knows how to make some big plays when you get the ball in his hands, and I think that's what the Browns are going to try to do.
1: David Kerr tweets at the show, Gibby, when is the CBD golf outing and will beer be involved? Great questions. It's a great question. I One feels I'll- like... I the don't Browns know. Browns Foundation golf outing is Monday. We can't overshadow things like that. That's a big deal.
6: No, that is a. It's a huge deal. What do you think? What do you think we are seeing right now from the weathers? As you get into the weather, uh, as you are the expert there.
1: I don't know. I'm getting some random spam call right now from a five six seven area code. I don't even know where that is. But neither do I. That Same. makes two of us. Uh, hold on. I'm. Uh, I'm breaking out the weather.
6: Hopefully it's getting better cuz yeah, it's a scattered very
1: scattered showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon, 60% chance. Okay, so it's that's better. Better cuz it was like rain in the morning, thunderstorms in the afternoon. Yeah. So that's getting a little better. Yeah, we're gaining on it. Okay, good. Baby steps, baby steps. I think we we'll, I think we'll be okay still. All right, good. Um let's see what else the the, the mech, meckling moments. I think that's what we should call them. Is it meckling? Is it meshling?
6: Meckling. We're going with meckling. Bobby Meckling. All right,
1: meckling. So his uh, here, here it comes. When was the moment in your life you laughed the hardest?
6: I'll tell you what, I mean, the the time that I laughed hardest, certainly most recently that sticks out of my mind was when I was golfing uh, last week with the kid and and Jimmy Reams, and they had this epic match going, and and our match turned into, they turned into a side match where they were going one-on-one, and uh, Reams was down a lot to the kid overall in the big picture, and so he was trying to, you know, make some of that back in some credits, so they had a lot on the line. Reams missed like a three-foot putt on on number on the 17th hole, so now it's tied going into 18. Reams needs to make like a three-footer, again. Well, first of all, they both had like 10 feet putt, 10 foot putts. Reams goes first, he misses. The kid goes second, and Reams leaves himself another three-footer above the old. It's basically the same putt he just missed on eight. The kid goes second, is like, I'm knocking this one in, Jimmy. Good night. He then proceeds to hit his 10-foot putt about two feet. Like, <laughs> barely hits it, so I'm dying. Then he steps up and the kid makes this. and now all Reams has to do is make this like three footer, and he missed it again. And I was, I just was on the floor crying. I could not stop laughing. It just the tomfoolery that was going on, the commentary that was going on, and then missing these like close putts by like five feet. And I was dying. I was dying. I was laughing so hard. I just saw, I just saw both of those guys yesterday. And uh, Reeves was still talking. To me. He goes, "Man, you were like crying; like tears were streaming down my face. It was great."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sandbagger,
6: what about you? What about you, Gibby? When's the last time you've
1: laughed? it was something with my golf league, and it was reha- rehashing. Oh, it was <laughs> it was rehashing some things that happened on this year's uh, uh, golf trip to uh, to uh, Nevada. Oh. And, uh, the flights home and the sure. insaneness that ensued on the flight home, taking the red eye after being up all day and red eyes are tough. Know, cocktailing for four straight days. Yeah, red eye's is a tough flight. It is a tough flight. There, there were some moments though. If you had to introduce yourself using three words only, how would you do it? Hi, I'm Nathan. But yeah, I don't, I don't know how to.
6: Is he saying describe yourself or introduce yourself?
1: Introduce yourself. Yeah.
6: Hi, I'm Nathan. Good to meet you. That's extra words, but the first three would be hi, I'm Nathan.
1: One, Gibbs. Give it back. Peepaw. Uh, fa- all-time favorite Halloween costume.
6: Uh, mine was uh, based on it. It's very apropos now uh, with Top Gun Maverick coming up, but I was, uh, I was Maverick. I had the full-on... Flight suit, I had a real flight suit that I wore. Uh, I got the patches, Mavericks patch, uh, to put onto my flight suit. Uh, it was, and I had the, the hat. I had it all. It was awesome.
1: That was by far my favorite. I don't know if I, I was never, I was never great with the Halloween costume. Like, I mean, I had great costumes as a kid. Like, good, I had a solid firefighter costume that I liked to trot out. <laughs> I wanted to be a fireman yeah um I, I don't from an adult standpoint i mean I, I i once in college literally emptied a bag of kitty litter and cut a hole in it and went as blank kitty um <laughs> what i needed i needed a costume to get into this party <laughs> so
6: unbelievable
1: but. Whatever,
6: <laughs> yeah. Only Gibbe. Okay, all right. That's a good one. I had uh, I had a, an absurd Robin Hood costume that I wore in a, a college, like a Robin Hood men in tights one, where I was literally wearing tights. And it was, uh, it was outrageous. It was hilarious. I wore that to the first Dooley's
1: ball at Emory. I, I did go as Drunas Ilgauzis. That'd be fantastic.
6: Never Ostertag. You never got an Ostertag no, jersey. I,
1: I went. I went as Z, and. <laughs> I may have gotten a girl's phone number because she thought I was Z.
6: She thought, she thought, you're telling me right now that this lady. I was
1: wearing like, I was wearing an Ilgowskis uniform that might have been given to me by Z.
6: And what you're saying is that she believed that Zadrunas Ilgowskis for a costume party would dress up as himself playing basketball.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. He <laughs> um, was like. Do not give me a bad reputation. Do not make me look bad, my friend.
6: I'm sure you did not give a – I'm sure I, you did not. But that is – that's nope. hilarious. That's a great – imagine the thought process like, oh, so Zydruno Silgaskis goes out on Halloween dressed as himself. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Okay. All right. Young and dumb. All right. Uh, that All was right. me. And there you
1: go. There you go. There you that's go.
6: That's that. All right. We got our number two coming up. We've got an exclusive one on one with Mike Prefer. We've got offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt. Maybe some calls.
1: We gotta talk about Musburger at some point.
6: We gotta talk about Musburger. We and I watched the entire second half of the uh of the NBA Finals game last night. The shooting display by the Celtics. <sighs> We'll talk about that. I was texting with the voice of the Browns, Jim Donovan, about it. He was fired up, let me tell you. All right, so big hour number two coming. Thanks for being with us here on a Friday. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
6: BACK INTO CLEVELAND BROWN'S DAILY, VERY HAPPY NOW TO BE JOINED BY A GREAT FRIEND OF THE PROGRAM AND THE Browns SPECIAL TEAMS COORDINATOR, MIKE Prefer, AND COACH, FIRST OF ALL, GREAT TO SEE you. HOW NICE IS IT TO BE IN THE MIDST OF THESE OTAs AND GETTING TO PUT SOME REAL WORK IN HERE AT THE CROSS COUNTRY MORTGAGE
7: CAMPUS? Um, WELL, I TELL PEOPLE ALL THE TIME, THE BEST PART OF MY JOB IS WHEN THE PLAYERS ARE IN TOWN. SO, YOU KNOW, I LOVE THE uh, PREPARATION FOR uh, FREE AGENCY, I LOVE THE PREPARATION FOR THE DRAFT, I LOVE TO WATCH TAPE AND GET BETTER AND WATCH WHAT OTHER TEAMS ARE DOING TO improve, uh what I do as a coach, uh, but when the players are here, that's when my blood's flowing and I'm fired up. And so it's really great to have the guys in town and, and they've been working hard and it's uh, it's been great so far. Clearly you got a lot of attention this off season. We've got a couple of new punters here. Obviously Corey's in town, Cade
6: York now at kicker, Jakeem Grant at returner. So when you go back prior to all of these acquisitions, what was kind of the message you conveyed to Andrew Barry that got us to this point where you're loaded up now?
7: Well I think Andrew and Kevin and I talk about personal all the time and um, you know we felt like going into last year that we had some piece of the puzzle and and I think the guys went out and played hard. I know I'm, I'm not a big stack guy, as you know that. I think the guys played hard. I think we, you know, as a return game, we never turned the ball over, which was the, you know, that's our number one job. And we we're very aggressive in both sure. kickoff return and punt return. And, and we got some yards. The average wasn't great. So we knew we needed to improve there. And I think Jakeem brings us that that missing piece of that puzzle. Um, you know, kickoff-wise, we've talked about we were the best team in the league last year. And we still have to attain try to attain that goal. And that's a very hard goal to attain because we've lost some good core guys. And, and But we've replaced them with some good young players. And I'm excited about those guys. And then, of course, field goal wise, we started out well last year and then faded down the stretch. And we felt the need that uh, we had to go out and get the, the best college kicker. And, and we, we did. We went out and got him in the fourth round, which I thought was a great aggressive move by Andrew and, and Kevin. And uh, so to me, the sky's the limit. I got my work cut out for me in terms of who we play in our division because we got the best division of football when it comes to special teams. So every week's going to be difficult for us.
6: All right, you mentioned Cade York. And you and I sat down uh, last week for a Browns breakdown, which is going to come out on the Browns YouTube channel, the Browns mobile app as well. So be on the lookout for that as we watch some college tape, and then also some tape of Cade kicking at First Energy Stadium. Early impressions
7: of him so far? Uh, You know, it's exactly what we expected. Uh, He's going to be, he's young. You know, he's just 21 years old. He just turned 21. Um, He will have some growing pains. Uh, but I think overall the talent is there the leg strength is there the attitude the mentality is there uh, He just has needs needs to learn to be a more consistent performer And that's how we're that's what we're striving for each and every time he goes out there and kicks and even, every time We watch tape every time he goes out there and kicks every time even today he was just working on some some uh, finer uh, uh, Technique points he's gonna go down to the stadium with the guys tomorrow and, and kick again in our stadium
6: So we had a guy named Andy Lee a punter here who is a, a very successful pro bowler type guy mm-hmm. The ball sounded different when he hit it. And just being out here the last week, I think it was, when Kay did some kicking here, the ball sounds different. You hear all your admirers out there, the special teams players, currying favor, smart. Great way to make the roster, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the ball sounds different coming off of his foot from what
7: I'm used to here, at least in my decade with the Browns. Just really drives it, it feels like. Yeah, both Corey and Joe really hit the ball well yesterday, uh, punting-wise. Uh, last week, they did the same thing. They've had a, each had a session at the uh, stadium. As well, um, you know they're both extremely talented, both raw, I think, as holders and as punters. Um, they're very smart. They want to do well. They want to improve. And I think some of the things we're working on with them and letting them figure it out, like I've told you before, uh, Nate, that you know we're not gonna, I'm not going to sit here and say, you have to do this, after have to do that. I'm going to suggest and recommend certain things that they have to work on with their technique. Both of them is, have uh, really a, a, uh, said, you know, this is something I want to get better at, and they've really improved. And I'm excited about their improvement. I'm excited about their talent. It's going to be a great competition this summer.
6: Yeah, and is that something you like to see that kind of a competition, sure. right? Uh, is it possible to separate themselves at this point, or is that something that has to take time over the course of an entire summer?
7: I think the entire summer, but I think you can separate yourself a little bit, you know, by the end of the by the end of the spring, uh, and they will have enough opportunities to do so. Right now, I think they're neck and neck. They're both really they both really improved as holders too. I don't think they are very good coming here um, uh, and in their time in the NFL, but I think they've improved immensely, and they're working hard on it. Because to me, if if the punting's the same, we're going to go with the best holder. And obviously, the best punter is what you want. And then I think they're close enough holding-wise that the best punter will be the good holder as well. So I'm excited about both of them and their improvement and where we're going from here. All right, We talked about Cade as well and his ability to hit the ball. It kind of has that pop that reminds me of the way Andy Lee
6: did it, the way he just drove it. I mean, it was last week we were out here when he had those makeshift uprights out there. And he started to put them down. It's nice. I bet you're happy to see some real uprights up here as we got this new turf in. But I felt like he absolutely can just punish the ball.
7: Yeah, he did a good job last week, and I and I scripted for success. Obviously, we didn't go back past 44, and the wind was a little bit with him. And but I wanted him the first time in front of the team. I wanted him to feel good about himself. I wanted the team to feel good about him. And you can see that last one, uh, Coach Stefanski tried to get everybody hooting and hollering, tried a little put a little pressure on him, and he nailed it, 44 yarder right down the middle. So um, I'm hoping that's uh, some you know uh, what we're going to see you know as the season goes on.
6: So on that day, I was actually back there with uh, Brad Mellon, Equipment Manager of the Year, no big deal. And I was back there trying to catch some of these field goals. And the first one he hit, I was like, OK, yeah, I got this. It comes down with a ton of force. And you're right, it was downwind right there. So then I finally, after missing one, then I got one. And I was like, I'm out. Like a stanza on a
7: high note because I was shocked at just how much force is coming with those kicks. Yeah, he's very powerful and he's big and strong and he's like I say, he's 21. He's only going to get stronger. And our our strength and conditioning staff does a phenomenal job. Uh, Monty Gibson does a great job with our specialists and and uh, Cable only get stronger. And I tell these guys, look, you're not bodybuilders. You're not here to be you know strength and conditioning athletes. You're here to get better as as a punter, as a kicker, uh, as a, as a holder. Uh, so whatever Um, but at the end of the day he will continue to get stronger and he'll be even better as long as this technique you know stays the same or continues to improve as well uh, the sky's the limit for this young man so I'm excited about him
6: we've talked a little bit and you'll get the
7: full exact breakdown on brown's breakdowns but
6: 90 seconds roughly from the time the ball snapped to the time that you want it kicked you have a reliable veteran on the snapping part of the operation and charlie hewlett a guy who's one of the longest tenured browns now with this football team what's it like to have that part of it where you just say okay look i really don't have to
7: worry about i know what charlie's going to give me first of all charlie's a top five snapper in the league secondly he's a great leader and he's leads by example and then thirdly he does such a great job with the young players i mean he's like a big brother to these guys and you know he he's so humble too so he wants to do well he wants to do the right thing he wants to do right by the kicker and the punters and um, so everything he does is geared toward helping them do their job at a higher level, and he just continues to do well as a, sna- a short snapper, long snapper, and in protection and in coverage. You know, He'll do a good job covering over the ball if we need him to. Hopefully he doesn't have too many tackles because that means that, that second wave is making the tackle. But on punch, you know, obviously you want the first or second guy down there making the plays, but it's really great to have Charlie.
6: All right, we talked at the beginning about Jakeem Grant. What has he shown you in the limited time here? Because what he's shown me is he is fast, and his ability to change direction without slowing down seems to be uh, rather unique.
7: His COD is unique. His uh, quickness and ability to make the first man miss is unique his speed his acceleration is unbelievable and i knew it was good and then i first time i saw it in practice i'm like oh boy we got something here so i'm very excited about Jakeem. he's a good kid he's a pro he's only trying to get better Uh, i think he told you in his first interview he was walking around the facility with the ball in his left arm so i'm really trying to break his habit of always carrying the ball in his right arm and he's been very receptive to all the coaching points and he's helped me he'll help me be a better coach in terms of how we coach our guys and the schemes we use and that will benefit our team will benefit him to help make him successful
6: does he have the full green light, so there might be another 97-yard return in his future? Uh,
7: that's up to the head coach, but that's something we'll talk about. If we know he's going to have a big play, why not, right? <laughs> exactly. And you've
6: worked with some great returners. So for you as a coach, when they take it to the house, and Jakeem's done it four straight
7: years, what does that mean to you, and what, what kind of goes through? Is there a pre-celebration that I should be on the lookout for? Never. All I look for is see if there's flags. And then everybody's hooting and hollering, and I'm trying to get the field goal team out there for the PAT, and I'm thinking about what we're going to do on the ensuing kickoff. Because what happens is some of the guys, a lot of guys that are on the punt return unit are also on the kickoff unit. So now how aggressive are we going to be on kickoff, right? So we get the touchdown on the return game. We kick the PAT. There might be a TV timeout. Guys are gas. Guys are excited. Do we kick the touchback? Do we go after them? Are we aggressive? That's stuff that I think about, and then I'll celebrate on Monday. Maybe Sunday night with a beer, but mainly on Monday. Well, maybe after the
6: kickoff, you could take a second right there. At least come over to the guys, give them a little love, because you're a fiery guy on the sideline. I've seen you pace, and I know that negative reactions can happen very, very quickly for you. So I'd like to say that you enjoy the
7: positive, but we keep it even keel and see so you're always focused on the next task at my hand. My daughters, uh, Samantha and Katie, want me to do the gritty when we score, but I don't think I'm be able to do that. <laughs>
6: I certainly would love to see that. All right. You mentioned you lost some core guys. Has anybody kind of caught your eye from these young guys here uh, to kind of become those special teams? That's a great way, as we talked about earlier in jest, but it is true, to make this football team. If you're going to be the sixth receiver, if you're going to be the fourth tight end, if you're going to be the fifth or sixth linebacker or the sixth corner, you've got to
7: play special teams and you've got to be good. Absolutely. Richard LeCount has a clean slate, did not have a great rookie year. I was talking to him earlier today. Uh, He's improved immensely. His attitude's much better. He'll he'll have to take a big stride for us. uh, M.J. Emerson, the rookie uh, out of Mississippi State, he's done a great job, it, it really smart, he's big. Uh, uh, Herb Miller is going to be with us the whole year now. He's going to have a whole offseason to continue to improve his techniques. Uh, Tony Fields will have to take another step in the right direction. we got some defensive ends, you know, really any any position, tight end, defensive end, running back. You know, uh, Dearness Johnson still doing a great oh, yeah. job. Um yeah, what is it, uh, Ford, Jerome Ford will have to take a big step because he's a good football player who's never played special teams. So that's the thing. These guys are all superstars at their schools. They get drafted or undrafted, even under after free agents. I tell them, I don't care if you're drafted or not. You have a chance to make our team if you play teams at a high level. So that's what we're looking for. And the guys have had great attitudes, and I'm excited about you know continuing to work with them. And the more time I have with them, the more periods that we have, the more experience they get, the better they're going to get.
6: All right, we'll end on this. Got to be a cool week for you. Not only OTAs going on, but the LCS, the USS Minneapolis St. Paul, was docked right outside of First Energy Stadium. And I know you got to take a tour. I got to see it. I was blown away. Awesome stuff. And as a Navy man, I'm sure it was great for you to be back on the boat.
7: It was cool. And last time I was on a ship, I was probably wearing a flight suit back in the USS America a long time ago. And, sure, she's been decommissioned for many years, and she's at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. she They scuttled her many years ago. But, um, yeah, it kind of brought me back in time a little bit, you know, ducking underneath the uh, passageways. I'm not as tall as you, obviously. But. It was fun it was fun to take my wife debbie and, and my daughter katie was on there she did a story for spectrum news and, and did a great job talking about the pride that the city of cleveland will have when the uss cleveland is commissioned yeah. here in a couple years so it was a uh, brought me back a little bit and you can fly a helicopter on the back of that ship too which that's what i really want to do but they wouldn't let me
1: yeah, you can
7: get two of them on there you can store one and fly one and leave it out on the back incredible put one in the hangar bang put one on the back yep on the stern yep so that would have been fun but maybe someday Coach,
6: thank you so much for the time. Looking thank forward to uh, seeing this season and seeing the special teams flourish under your tutelage. True, great job, buddy. Forgot all right, that's you. Brown special teams coordinator Mike Prefer. Listen, we don't need to tell him how the uh, how the sausage is made here, Gibby. Let's all just calm down. here. Hey, no, 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 Prefer. it was
1: on me. That's a that's a demerit on me. This is what happens when we're in multiple locations. Is that a demerit on you? I did say, please remind me to plug it back I in. I did. But you you nonetheless. did. That's, I knew right away. I was like, what's he doing? I'm like, oh, yeah. Scrambling. I know what he's doing.
6: Yeah. But – I always love talking to Pref and I think the special teams you know you talk about it it's, it's there's a three phases to this game and being elite on special teams And as he said, you've got to be in this division. You think about what the Ravens do on special teams. Think about the Bengals and what Evan McPherson did as their kicker. Uh, And and then the Steelers have always been solid on special teams. So that's one of those little things that you don't want to let impact the outcome of a game negatively. I think the Browns believe with their talent on offense and their talent on defense, if they can be neutral on special teams, they will win more often than not. Now the goal would be to get a special teams unit that can also win you a few games. And we know when you have Mike Prefer here, we're going to be one of the best coverage units in the NFL. Now you've got Cade York here. We should be one of the best kicking teams in the NFL. That's a lot of pressure on a rookie, but that's how highly they think of him. We certainly should not be last in field goal made percentage in the NFL, which is what we were a year ago. With Jakeem Grant here, we've got a guy who in the last two years was the all-pro punt retur- or kick returner and, and last year was a pro bowler. So we should be one of the best return units in the NFL. Those things make a big difference in outcomes of games, especially in tight games. And when you have a team that wants to go and win a Super Bowl, you need to be able to come through in those tight games. And one of the ways that you do that is by winning the third phase and winning special teams. And the Browns clearly knew that was something they had to address, and they did so aggressively, bringing in Grant, drafting Cade York in the fourth round. They made those moves with an eye upon achieving their ultimate goals and making sure that this doesn't derail those opportunities. And I like that. I like that strategy because it's not something that necessarily, from a financial standpoint, costs you a lot, but it is not the
1: flashiest.
6: No, but it's something that can have a big, big impact. And I think that's what you, you actually can probably get one of the best returns on your investment in guys like JaKeem Grant, in uh, you know bringing in the punters that they brought in and bringing in Cade York. But not only that, maintaining Charlie Hewlett, who you heard Mike Priefer say is a top five long snapper in the NFL. And then now we've got to find the guys, and this is something the Pref has done very well every single year, is find the guys that can contribute on special teams and keep this coverage team as good as it has been. And I do think that that is absolutely within the realm of possibility for this football team, and that's what I'm excited to see.
1: I think it was an interesting question that you asked him when it comes to the coverage team, because we had we we lost some contributors. Yeah,
6: Elijah Lee was a guy who's a core cover guy. Uh, MJ Stewart was a core special teams guy. They're they're gone.
1: Yeah, and and you have to have those. You can't you can't let the opposing team start at the thirty five yard line, forty yard line with big returns. Like you have to get down there. You got to cover and to see, and, and that's I mean. You want to make the roster and you're toward the bottom of the roster, that's where you got to make your mark. And yeah, you want some to be best guys, friends. Yeah, some of these guys going to have to step up and guys that maybe we haven't seen before put in that role and have to step up.
6: That is the way, as we talked about there, that's the way that you're – fifth linebacker, sixth linebacker makes this football team because of what they can do on special teams. Your sixth receiver, your fourth running back. So I mentioned Jerome Ford. You know, Your fourth tight end, even your third tight end is going to play some special teams. Some of your defensive ends are going to end up being on special teams units. Your fifth and sixth corners, your fourth and fifth safeties. These guys are all going to have to contribute in a major way on special teams and replenishing that group. Because remember, Tavier Thomas was a guy that was a special teams ace for us and went on to Houston last Uh, last season. You have to keep replenishing that group, and that's something that I believe the Browns absolutely have had an identity towards and an ability to identify those players that allow them to do that. It's been important. It's important to Coach Preford. It's important to Coach Stefanski, and it's important to Andrew Barry, and so that's one of the things that they, one of the calculations they go through when identifying guys who are going to churn in that bottom, you know, 13, 15 of the roster. They've got to be able to contribute On special teams as well. In addition to their duties on offense and on defense. See, if I had a cough button here, it'd be really great right now.
1: When we come back, speak. Number one, you are on remote. (laughs) You can't blame the cough button. There's no, this isn't a the... peepaw
6: Design studio. You're right. This is just uh, this is the limitations of the Comrex. However, I will say we we're mentioning offense as well. That's one of the, the big phases. We will talk and hear from our offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt. That's coming up after the break and at the bottom of the hour. As we wrap things up here, we'll talk a little bit about stuff going on in the sports world as well as potentially, potentially, take a few phone calls here to wrap up our week as we get ready for the final week of the OTAs. Peepaw shaking his head. Maybe not. Maybe we won't do it. I'm not afraid.
1: I don't know. We're having some phone issues.
6: Okay. All right. People are just telling it like it is. Alex Van Pelt coming up next.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
6: All right, welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily. Rumkey Waste and Recycling is a family owned and operated company. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll be a part of the family. Visit www.rumkey.com to learn more. From earlier this week at the podium, we have Browns offensive coordinator
8: Alex Van Pelt.
2: Alex,
8: what can you uh, improve next season? Uh, just the, the details of, the, of, I think, catching the ball. I think some of the, you know, he has really good hands at times, but just finishing the plays and, um, you know, the, the route development, especially on plays when he has to break down and make cuts. David's really fast, really good straight line runner, so improvement in his route running ability when he's not doing those things. But uh, extremely happy for him. He's worked hard and really deserves that, and, I'm, and we're happy to have him here and back in the mix.
3: Talked about his just his evolution at that position not only from pass catching but the details of the game blocking that just from your perspective since you've been here how, how have you or how would you describe his growth—it's been
8: great. It's been fun to watch, to be honest with you. To see a guy that uh, you know you wouldn't label himself as a run blocker become one of the best run blocking tight ends in the league has, has been impressive. You know his toughness, his strength, um, you know his ability to, to, to understand our scheme and what we're asking him to do—he's grown tremendously. It's been fun to watch.
3: Alex, you've been around
5: Deshaun now for what, probably five, six weeks. So, so what are your impressions of him?
8: Um, you know, he's very dynamic, um, the, the accuracy and the arm strength are two of the things that stand out uh, the most, his football knowledge is, is, is vast. Um, he's learning our system as we go, but you could tell he's got a lot of football experience in his body. He's fun to watch, um, you know, and this is just in settings of controlled pockets, uh, but going back and watching the tape, he's obviously, you know, a, a tremendous player outside the pocket as well when he extends the plays.
5: Not to turn it into like a comparison, but I mean, you spent time around Aaron Rodgers, who's an elite quarterback. Do you see some of that when you kind of work with this? I do.
8: I do. I mean, his ability to escape um, is top notch elite in the league. And then his ability to make plays outside the pocket is up there, too. So there's some similarities. How
4: do his skills uh,
8: open up the playbook for you? Uh, there's different things we'll be able to do, I think, moving forward um, with him. We'll take some of the, of the things that he did well in Houston, implement them into our system. Um, but at the same time, you know, obviously we're we're a run first offense, and we're never going to you know, shy away from handing the ball off to, to Nick and Kareem. Does
2: he have to shake still, Deshaun, or has he done that
8: already? I think there's always rust, you know, whether it's, you know, just the off-season coming back uh, into the OTAs. Players have rust from that um, a whole year out. Um, there's definitely going to be rust, and you can see it, but he's working through that.
3: Is that the thinking behind him, um, staying in there? When, when you guys go to twos? I see him staying in there a lot. It um, last week and today. Yeah, we're
8: just trying to bank reps right now. Um, our installs are pretty um, small. So he's getting a, a, you know the same play uh, maybe with a different personnel grouping or a different formation variation, but he's repping the same play three or four times in a day. So we're trying to build that muscle memory and bank up those reps.
2: David where is he now, and where does he need to be to help you guys in such You day? know, David's
8: a, a rookie. As all rookies, when they get thrown into there, they're swimming a little bit. But he's come on, especially in the last few days. He's made some plays. Um, you know, with Deshaun out there, he's got a real knack of knowing how to get open. Uh, I think with David, the more uh, confidence he has and what route he has, uh, his ability shines. But uh, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a work in progress, and he's growing each day.
2: Those young receivers, are you in the instructional phase? Like, when do you need to see them take a leap as far as competing for playing
8: time? Um, You know, the guys that are going to be in the mix need to step up now. You know, now's the time. They're getting plenty of reps in there, you know, and as we get into the the mini camp at the end, we should have a a good feel about who we have, you know, at the receiver position. But those guys are working extremely hard.
3: Last week, several of Deshaun's teammates were saying that he's really locked in when he gets in the building, despite what's going on outside. Has that been your impression as well?
8: Um, absolutely. You know, I came through um, two or three days ago to leave the office. I guess it was last week, about 5:30, and um, you know, he was just wrapping up the day. So he spends he spends the time in the building. You know, he puts the work in. There's a great study habits. You get text questions. You know, in the evening where you know he's going through the script. So he's putting the work in.
3: This week, this last week about the the young receivers. You yeah. know, brought in Amari to be your number one this offseason. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, who's been here a couple years, and you know Anthony Schwartz going into year two from him. Uh, a lot of people wanted to speculate about bringing in a second veteran receiver to help that group, uh, but you have a lot of strength in numbers with these young guys. Just what? How do you feel about? DPJ and Schwartz and their ability to maybe grow into that role. Sure.
8: Um, you know, Donovan's having an outstanding OTA sessions. He's really, you know, shined out there, done some really good things. So expect him to pick up where he left off last year. You know, he's a guy that's productive for us. He's an intelligent guy. He can play multiple spots. You can move him around the formation. Um, and he does, you know, a really nice job in his route running. So um, status quo for him. He's actually been better than he has. Um, Schwartzy now is a guy that came in last year, kind of had some ups and downs, but is really focused in now. He's catching the ball extremely well. Um, he's a guy that definitely can stretch the field for you. Um, so we're getting to see some of those things now come to fruition. But um, very happy with both those guys where they are right now. But they do need to you know, keep con- contributing for us
4: it seems like there's more focus on using three receivers, at least so far, early in this season. Um, would that have happened if uh, Baker was still the quarterback?
8: Yeah, I, it's more based on how we structure practice uh, this year. we put more of an emphasis on situational football. Um, that means every day we're practicing third downs, red zone. Uh, generally, those situations you know, require 11 personnel or zebra personnel on the field or three right receiver sets.
4: Season evaluation from last year and seeing how the playoffs unfolded and all that offense, was there an understanding that you needed to get more three receiver sets into the offense?
8: Uh, We needed to work on our passing game, our drop back pass game, whether that's two tight ends and two wides or three wide receivers. It was definitely an area of emphasis for us Um, going in. um, We're treating this camp like a passing camp, more or less. I think at the end of this we'll have 350 passes. Um, versus live competition in seven-on-seven periods. So we definitely focused in on our drop-back pass game as a a point of emphasis this offseason.
4: I-
5: oh. ahead, Alex to go to uh, back to David for a second um just how have you seen him adjust to those reps in the slot and, and dealing with that that extra traffic that's something he was talking about
8: that's something I think is a strength of his we've you know identified early on in, in the you know, scouting process that he's a guy that can find the holes in the zones and really understands how to work to get open so uh, that's something that's natural for him all
4: right thanks again we'll
3: take this last one real quick. You you obviously were were close to Baker and you thought highly of Baker. So what uh what do you think the outlook is is for Baker just in terms of his future career as he you know wherever he lands.
8: Yeah, um that's, that's a tough one you know I keep personal relationships personal but you know I think Baker's a very good quarterback and has a good future ahead of him.
6: All right, that's Browns offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt at the podium from earlier this week talking about this offense and the fact it's going to be a passing camp. But if you want to get more in-depth, more specific about basically every position group on this offense, be sure to check out the latest edition of the best podcast available as I, or as i as girl and friends, as I go one on one with Alex Van Pelt. You can get it wherever you watch your, your get your podcast or watch it on the Browns YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Brown. So it's a pretty comprehensive interview that goes through kind of almost player by player, everybody on the offensive side of the ball uh, for the Cleveland Browns. And it's an offense that's had a very good beginning to this offseason program. Obviously, when you have a quarterback to caliber of Deshaun Watson, uh, it's noticeable. It's a change. and It'll be a change for Browns fans when they come out to training camp and they see him out there. And not only that, I think Jacoby Brissett's had a very nice camp. Uh, and he's a guy that, you know, the Browns brought in in the event that he has to start some games this season. He's a guy who has started and won in the NFL for multiple teams. The Patriots, the Colts, the Dolphins. So They've got that experience, but you'll see very crisp, a lot of talent out there on the field, and we really haven't even, as we said, delved too far into the run game because that's something that they do as training camp progresses to get the pads on it. Of course, it is the foundation of what the Browns do on offense, but this is a team with a lot of talent on the offensive side of the football, an excellent line, and a top-five quarterback in the NFL. And when you put those kind of things together... You have an opportunity to be special and to be explosive. And I think that was one of the questions that uh, Tony Grossi was getting at there. You know, when you evaluated it last year, did you need more three receiver sets? It's not about 11 personnel per se. It's about creating explosive plays in the drop-back passing game and being able to execute your drop-back passing game when the other team knows that you have to throw. And that's something the Browns could not do. And now the Browns will be able to do that with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. So I think that's some of the stuff that Alex Van Pelt was talking about there at Gibe.
1: Yeah, and I think, just like Joe Woods said during his presser earlier, uh, it's hard to get a feel for the defensive line because there's no contact. Same thing with the offensive line, you know, and it's the same thing with, you know, we know what we're getting in the offensive line, but just the reps, it's tough to get reps when there's no contact. Yeah, it's up to
6: really see how those guys are doing. So they get to do a lot of their own drill work and their technique work with their position coaches, and I think that's very important. And they have so far, so far, been able to, you know, they're pleased, talking with Bill Callahan or talking with Chris Kiffin, pleased with what they've seen, but it's always with the caveat, all right, let's see this when we're actually playing some football or at least get the pads and the shells on, and we can actually thud up against the defensive line and, and see how these blocks go. So, this offense, though, I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, I've talked about it many, many times. When you come out to training camp, you're going to see a different offense with the ability to push the ball to every blade of grass, and that's vertically as well as horizontally and working the middle of the field in the past game. And then, oh, now we've got to get, you know, we can't load the box up anymore. So what's that mean for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? That's why this offense has a chance to be very special, very explosive, and put a lot of points on the board this season. All right, when we come back, We got a little higher or lower. Talk about some things from around the sports world. And wrap it up here on a Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily here on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
6: All right. Welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily. Nathan Segura, Jason Gibbs wrapping it up here on a Friday. We're getting close to that time. A little bit from the sports world real quickly, and, and news involving the play-by-play voices of teams in the NFL. Our own Jim Donovan, very pleased by the Celtics shooting in the fourth quarter last night. They went absolutely lights out, blitzing. They go went on a 17-0 run, Gibbe, in the fourth quarter to defeat the Warriors last night. A 17-0 run in the fourth quarter at Golden State. They made like six threes in a row. Tatum was three for 17, I want to say, shooting. And they won.
1: And every, everybody was concerned because they they played game six against the Heat. They screwed up. Then they had to fly to Miami. Then they had to come back to Boston. And then they had to go cross country. And it's like travel is going to be a factor. Nah, not at all. We're just going to go into Golden State and punk them.
6: Good. Huge win. Curry played great. Not enough uh, help around him in this particular game. Uh, and he really, they kind of neutralized him as the game went on, to be honest. I think he had 28 early and finished with 34. Uh, and for the Celtics, everybody was hitting White, uh, Marcus Smart, Al Horford at a career high in any game that he's ever played. Al Horford's been in the league for forever. He made six threes, they were unconscious. And Tatum, while he wasn't shooting, well, had 13 assists in the game. Uh, he was plus six plus or minus was plus 16 while he was on the court. So that made our play-by-play guy very happy, Jim Donovan. As for another play-by-play guy, it sounds like Brent Musburger is out with the Raiders, tweeting out, thank you very much for his time there. But he is out with the Raiders, which was a big surprise to me, to be honest with you, Gibbe.
1: It was, I'm not sure what's going on. And I I put in a couple Text to a couple people I know and have not heard anything because everybody was kind of shocked. He he tweeted out, many thanks to the Raiders organization for fond memories. I'll miss broadcast partner Lincoln Kennedy and the radio production crew. What's next? I hear Mike Trout might step down as commissioner of his fantasy league. You never know. No reason was given for Musburger's departure. No word on who will be taking his place.
6: Yeah, That's a big one. He's 83. Yeah. Not a spring chicken, but an absolute legend for sure.
1: Yeah. You I, are looking very alive. very strange.
6: Yeah. Set. Wild. Uh, we don't get to see him. At least we got to see him I last know. year.
1: Came in the booth. Yeah. Yeah, he's been a guest in the booth a couple times. When we were out in Oakland, you were not there. Um and then uh recently, yeah, he was yeah. in our booth last year.
6: Last year, we ended up playing them on Monday afternoon.
1: Weird. That yeah, it, was a, it was a strange All that was weird.
6: Yep. Yes, it was.
1: Um, at King Stefanski, I'm sorry that you didn't take advantage of the ice cream truck driving down your street.
6: No, good job, King Stefanski. No, 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 no. Let no, go no. right I, on bad by. Bad job by you. I'm, that's First a missed of all.
1: opportunity by you, and you you should be better. First of all,
6: it's early, right? I mean, it's early for that kind of stuff on a Friday. It's early
1: for what? It's early it's for 2 ice 44. cream? It's 244.
6: It's early for some ice cream, yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Like, I, my aunt, my great aunt had a saying, it's never too early. She would eat ice cream for breakfast.
6: She had a saying, it's never too early for ice cream. I
1: love that. No. Like, what? Okay. Meckling, thank you for... Uh, correcting the pronunciation gaffe
6: he can he confirmed it what well, we always do meckling
1: yeah well i just yeah. I, you know i never know you know i i want to do the guy justice that's all a uh, little higher or lower time for uh, yeah. from the ohio lottery lots of bad advice out there about gambling from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll these myths can lose you money and get you in a lot of trouble. So before your wager, find out what's real and what isn't at keepitfunohio.com. I'm gonna tighten this up a little bit since we're a little pressed for time. Higher or lower. Chris Sims has his annual quarterback rankings. He started to, to filter these out. I think here these a little are crazy. Bit. Okay. So let's just stick maybe let's just stick with thirty to forty. And then we'll get into the nitty-gritty in the coming uh, coming days uh, uh, in Chris Simpson's top 40 quarterback rankings. Okay. Uh, sh- should the following quarterbacks, instead of closer to number one, should they be in the top 30, or are they just right where they're ranked? Madison, hit it. Higher or lower? All right. Jared Goff comes in at number 30. Should he be higher? Should he be lower, or is he just right, Zagura? I mean, I think he's
6: better than Trubisky, and Mariota, and Tua right now. Although Tua has a chance to really take a big leap forward, so uh, I would have him. I think he's better than where he is currently ranked, and I think he's going to have a nice season. I think Detroit's got a nice little offensive package around him. I think he's going to be pretty good. So I would. I think Jared Goff is better than where he is currently ranked of everybody else in in that this range. Though to be honest with you, give me. I don't have a ton of a problem with them being there. I don't know really what Trey Lance is. I know kind of what Sam Darnold is. Geno Smith, Tyler Huntley has some upside. Davis Mills they like down in Houston. Tarad we know who he is. Gardner Minshew I think is actually better than a lot of those guys. I think Teddy Bridgewater is better than those guys, and we haven't really seen Kenny Pickett yet. So I really don't have much of a problem there. I think the 20s are – the 17 to 30 are all kinds of out of whack as far as I'm concerned.
1: We will will get into those. All right, so here's my question then. Like, what does it say about Seattle that Geno? Number one, I don't know why they think Geno. Why he thinks Geno Smith is thirty the thirty third best quarterback. Look, I don't think in he's better NFL. than.
6: I don't think he's better than Huntley. He's not Mills, better than Huntley. Taylor Minshew or Bridgewater.
1: No, no, I don't. Not at all. And by the way, Seattle, your quarterback situation. If if Chris Sims is ranking Kenny Pickett, the rookie ahead of Drew Locke, who's supposed to be your starter, and he's ranking Geno Smith seven spots ahead of Drew Locke, you might have a problem.
6: Yeah, you do. I mean, it's a a wild situation. And, and, you know, he's got two guys who don't have a team right now in his top 20, which, again, I would take – I think there's a lot that can be moved around from, from 17 to 30.
1: I I would tend to agree with you. Clearly, he's not buying in on the Davis Mills hype. No, he is not.
6: I mean, and the fact that he has Trevor Lawrence ranked behind Wilson and Fields, to me, is just bonkers. And Daniel Jones. Like, that's crazy to me. And Mac Jones. I know Mac Jones played, but, like, he had – Trevor Lawrence had the worst coach maybe in NFL history in a one-year period. I mean it was a completely lost year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Completely lost.
1: And and, and Justin Fields, who has no weapons. No help.
6: I don't and know who he, he is. I mean, Zach Wilson's got the best supporting cast right now. And we'll find out if he's as good as I mean, it was a no brainer in their minds to take him second. So we'll see what that means.
1: I mean, so he's got Goff thirty. Your boy Trey Lance thirty one. I mean, Which I, I think's pretty generous, that. yeah. He Considering we don't know anything him. about him. Yeah. Sam Darnold was 32. Yep. Geno Smith 33. Huntley, I feel like should be 31. I mean, he played very well last year. <laughs> yeah. Tarad, you know, Minshew, like you said, I feel like should be a little bit higher. Theodore. <laughs> Theodore is who he is. Solid, Good boy. Though. I know, but huh?
6: Geno Smith.
1: Uh, uh, yeah that's he's better than sam darnold yeah so uh it's an abbreviated version of of higher or lower this week so he hasn't
6: released his top 16 yet you're saying correct okay interesting
1: yeah we'll get into all of this maybe while you're gone next week who knows you're going to be on assignment for a few
6: days yeah it's going to be great glorious can't wait not Can't wait! The golf outing, buddy. That's right. We have the golf outing coming up on Monday. We will be uh, alive from the Cleveland Browns Foundation golf uh, outing on Monday. The golf tournament, so that you have to look forward to. Hopefully, the weather will cooperate with us because I don't think any of us really want to be getting rained on. But I think that's where we'll be. And we should have some fun guests coming through uh, if uh, if the weather cooperates. I mean, right now it's hard to imagine that it could rain ever again here, but I also know that it will rain again here because that's just the way that it is. All right, so much more to come here as we wrap this week up OTA Week 2 on a Friday edition. Cleveland Browns Daily here on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
6: All right, there's a lot of bad advice out there about gambling from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll. These myths can lose you money and get you in a lot of trouble. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't at KeepItFunOhio.com. And a big thanks to the Ohio Lottery for presenting that fun higher or lower segment we just had. Next week, four days of OTAs OTA 7, 8, 9, and 10 beginning on Monday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. On Monday, we will be out at the Brown- Cleveland Browns Foundation Golf Tournament. Uh, so we will have live coverage of that for you here on Cleveland Browns Daily. Next Wednesday will be the Media Availability Day again at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. So look for a lot of interviews and exclusive sound coming out of that day next week here with the OTAs big thanks to Mike Prefer for stopping by for that CBD exclusive and thanks to of course Gibbe and to all of you for listening the next level is next have a great weekend everybody and thanks for listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland